Hello, wild one. Welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Taraya, and I'm honored to have you on this journey with me. My intention with this show is to create a sacred space for conversations around all the things I wish I were taught growing up. I'm here to remind you that all of you is sacred. Every emotion, every experience, and every energy that runs through your body and heart is holy. Shamanic Tantra is a path I walk and it's a path of liberation. Freedom that's found deep within the body and deep inside the breath. It's a path of reclamation, of integrating every shade of who you are. The wild, the wonderful, the primal, and the pure. All is welcome here. It's a path of truth, of devotion to the pulsing, quivering truth of this very moment. As that's all there ever is. May we love each other, may we honor each other, and may we celebrate each other as we walk each other home. Aho, and on we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. This is your host, Holly Taraya, coming at you live from the jungles of Costa Rica. And today's episode is part two of a three-part series of what open relating has taught me. So last episode, part one, was all about the exciting celebrations, the lessons, the gifts, the expansions, the the pieces that really expanded me deeply. And in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you the difficulties, the hardships, the mistakes that I've made. And I wanted to start the last episode, part one of this series, with the good, right? Like with the with the jewels. I mean, it's all good, right? Even today's episode when I share my mistakes and the things that, you know, kind of where I've stumbled in, in relating, um, it's good too because it's actually the, these stumblings that I'm going to be sharing with you today is actually part of what led to all of the gifts and gems that I shared in last week's episode. So thanks for sticking with me. (laughs) And my intention in today's episode is to, first of all, create this feeling for you that whatever you're going through, whatever type of relationship dynamic you're in or not in, that you're not alone, that that we're, you know, we're all going through this human experience together as relational beings, oftentimes fumbling in the dark, trying to find our way back home to each other, to ourselves, making mistakes along the way, but ultimately growing stronger in our truth, our integrity, and our love. And so that's one of my main intentions for this podcast episode today. And my second intention is that you hopefully learn from some of my hardships, some of my mistakes. One of the things that I've realized many years ago as I committed to this path of Tantra, and especially when I committed to being a sex coach and an intimacy coach, is that I am going to be initiated in an even deeper way than probably most people in the realm of sex, love, and relationship, because this is the medicine that I'm not only here to receive and heal my deepest wounds and feel my deepest love and expansion, but this is the medicine I'm here to give. 
It's the medicine that I'm here to serve. And in order for me to do that, I really welcome so much width and breadth of experience in the in the realm of sex, love, and relationships so that I can relate to you, so that I can have the tools to share with you, the tools that I created or learned to navigate myself out of dark corners or to open my heart deeper or to communicate through triggering circumstances, right? And so you know, that's one of the empowering and humbling pieces of being a sex and relationship coach is there are some days where I'm just like, wow, like, I am so glad that this is my path. You know, I've picked this path has picked me. I've picked this path and I'm, and I'm rocking it. And then there's days where I'm brought to my knees. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so this is the intention with this episode is in those moments of despair when I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Whenever I get to that point in my journey, I always find my way out and I always alchemize the pain into medicine and truly, truly, truly open relating for me these past two years has been such an initiation. I've made so many mistakes. I've had mistakes made to me as well within relationship. Um, and I've learned so much along the way about myself, love, and just relationships in general. So may today's episode inspire you. I'm going to be sharing 10 hardships, 10, 10 initiations, um, and difficulties that I went through in the field of open relating and having an open relationship and uh, opening myself up emotionally, physically, sexually, spiritually to more than one person um, while having primary partnerships. So let's dive in so we're going to be starting with the first hardship which was not feeling deeply safe in my nervous system and this has been a powerful realization and as i had shared in my last episode which was the celebrations before this one i am currently in a three-month non-sexuality portal right now i'm not dating i'm not having sex with anybody i'm really in a deep space of healing to really heal my body to reclaim my sexuality and mostly to ground my nervous system and to really regulate my nervous system and it's not until I'm, i'm almost complete with this container next week of celibacy it's not until I got really deep into this space that I realized how unregulated my nervous system has been for the last two years. Yeah, you know, sometimes you have to like come to solid ground and peace to realize like, hmm, it's been quite some time since I felt that vibration and hum of peace in my body. And I think also, too, there's other contributing factors, you know, that led to a dysregulated nervous system for me. The pandemic, you know, that definitely was dysregulating, closing slash losing a business, um, selling everything I owned, moving to a foreign country, you know, that definitely was dysregulating. Um, But certainly being in open relationship dynamics has been as well. And here's the thing, like any any hardship that I share in here, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be a part of your experience if you choose to open relate. And that's part of the reason why I'm creating this podcast is so that you can learn from my mistakes and actually prevent some of them from happening by taking into consideration what might potentially come up for you. 
And for me, not feeling deeply safe in my nervous system felt like a low-key hum of fight or flight in my body. Like my root system, my root chakra wasn't deeply, deeply rooted into the here and now. Almost what it felt like. And again, I didn't realize this in the moment. I realized it once I brought my nervous system back into deep, deep, deep safety and regulation. But sort of what it felt like is like planting something on shifting earth, like on tectonic plates. Like I was grounded and embodied, but I I felt like I had to have so much resilience in my body because there was so much moving and so much energy in my field and so much chaos. And so my nervous system sort of for the past few years has been in a low-key fight or flight. And these last three months that I've been in this container of closing my temple doors, not being in relationship and just coming home to myself, I have rested so much and brought myself into such a level of peace and I realized "Mm, that was missing for me in open relating because in the way that I was open relating to was very uncharted territories you know I didn't have guides I didn't have teachers I definitely read a lot of books and had a lot of resources Um, But that was, you know, one of the things that I would do differently is to A, prioritize nervous system regulation. So if me or my partner are experiencing a consistent dysregulation in the nervous system, to come back into safety, to actually utilize that as a time to maybe even close the relationship, close the container, and just reel the energy back in and make nervous system regulation a top priority. And it's a top priority for me now. Whatever type of relationship dynamic I'm in or not in moving forward, my nervous system is number one. And so I'm glad that I actually had these few years of dysregulation because now I know the importance and I'm devoted to the nervous system regulation because I know how important nervous system regulation is for intimacy. One of my mentors, Gabriel Mate, talks about this a lot in his teachings. He's a trauma-informed specialist and really focuses a lot on intimacy. And when the nervous system is in fight or flight because it's perceiving threats and danger all around it, which sometimes open relating can do because it's kind of goes against our primal instinct of of choosing it goes into that space of like any minute now my partner could be taken or I could be taken which creates like a low-key threat to the system um, in the beginning you know once you're expanding your capacity but what what Gabriel Mate talks a lot about in his teachings is how important a calm parasympathetic nervous system is for intimacy because if you're in fight or flight you're viewing everything and everyone around you as a threat and if you're viewing everyone and everything around you as a threat, you, you can't trust it. You're easily triggered. You close off easily. You go into a trauma response easily. You're sort of the part of your brain that's like a detective, like looking for threat is sort of always activated if you're in fight or flight. Versus when your parasympathetic nervous system is activated, you're in rest and digest, you feel at ease, you feel safe, you feel grounded. It's so easy to be intimate and to be seen and to be vulnerable and to not be so reactive. And so this first hardship that I'm sharing with you about not feeling deeply safe in my nervous system 
I have also experienced this in monogamous relationships as well. As I've shared with you in the previous episode, my last really long-term monogamous relationship was about six years ago now. It was a five-year relationship. And I was also in a dysregulated space um, because I had a lot of unprocessed trauma around betrayal and deception. And so my nervous system was sort of always looking for the threat. Now where I'm at in my journey, especially these last few months of being deeply in my own process, I've integrated and healed so much relational and sexual trauma. And that's why I've made it my mission to help you heal yours. I feel so much of it that that now I know that I can enter any relationship dynamic with such a grounded nervous system. Now, it's not to say that I won't get triggered or reactive because I still do. I'm still healing, right? I'm still trusting. I'm still opening. I'm still surrendering. You know, I still get reactive and I still shut down. Um, but I know that having a regulated nervous system now is, is my top priority. And <clears throat> the way that I've been relating the last couple of years didn't promote that for me. It didn't endorse a deeply regulated nervous system. And so in the next episode, part three of this series, the final piece, I'm going to be sharing with you where I'm going from here, sort of integrating the lessons, integrating the hardships and where I'm going forward. But just know that having a regulated nervous system will be a top priority for me. Hardship number two from these last several years of open relating was a realization that I had an addiction to chaos. Why? Because it felt familiar to me. So this is the interesting thing about our nervous system is it feels safe in the familiar. And what is the familiar? The familial. Whatever was normal, quote unquote, for you growing up is familiar to your nervous system. So it finds safety in that imprinting. Even if that familiarity is toxic or chaotic or destructive or not sustainable, your nervous system feels safe in it, right? And so what I realized is that I actually had been holding an addiction to chaotic energy. Now, I'm in a space right now in my journey where I still embrace and love chaos because ultimately I'm a deeply feminine being and more so recently anchoring even deeper into my dark feminine, which is by nature chaotic. But there is a difference between, for me, there's a difference between embracing and celebrating my chaotic natural being in the creative process, in the uncertainty, in the flow. There's a difference between embracing my chaotic energy versus being addicted to chaos externally. Like seeking environments and situations and people that are chaotic because it stimulates me. <laughs> so, you know, this has kind of been a pattern throughout my whole life. Like I've very much been a thrill seeker, risk taker, moved around a lot, been very gypsy and my soul nomadic, bored easily. Like my Venus is in Gemini. So I love variety. I love thrill. I love adventure. Um, and this translated into a little bit of an addiction to chaotic energy. And 
I found myself in traditional monogamous partnerships getting very bored very quickly. Now, in retrospect, I know that a big part of this is because I wasn't powerfully choosing. I wasn't powerfully choosing a partner that would meet me in every way and challenge me and encourage me and and push me. Um, So I got bored. And I also wasn't being that for my partner. So open relating was like an amazing way for me to like keep this energy of stimulation in my life. It's like if I felt the um, boredom kick in or the dissatisfaction or the lack of uh, sexual satisfaction or whatever it was, I could seek that elsewhere. I could seek that stimulation elsewhere. And as exciting as it's been and as stimulating as it's been, it's definitely brought an energy of chaos into my life, like a swirling chaotic energy. Um, and it's stimulated a lot of dopamine, a lot of serotonin, a lot of the feel good hormones, right? Because every time you make a new connection with someone, you get what's, what's known as limerence. Limerence is like that new relationship energy that floods your body with oxytocin and feel good hormones and like the love drugs. And eventually that naturally wears off in a long-term relationship. Now there are absolutely ways to reignite that and to keep that energy moving and going and in fact widen it and expand it but I wasn't looking for that I was looking for the new the novelty the shiny right so that's why open relating really served me but it did bring in this energy of chaos and ultimately any energy through the tantric lens any energy that's not contained and it's swirling in chaos is draining right and so this is why in the tantric practices and in the yogic practices containing your sexual life force your erotic energy is such a big part of the teachings so for men what does this look like this looks like semen retention this looks like running the erotic energy through the body without climax and learning how to contain your eros instead of leaking it and spilling it And for women, this looks like bleeding consciously. So you're not spilling your creative sexual energy all over the place. You're consciously harnessing your erotic energy to create and ovulate and bleed and deconstruct. And when we can contain our sexual energy, this feeling of chaos naturally subsides in our life. But the way that I was open relating, I wasn't having sex with a lot of people, but I was running my erotic energy with a lot of people. And um, I wasn't very contained in that. Neither were my partners. And so uh, this feeling of chaos came into my life. And and because of that, it drained my life force energy. I wasn't containing my sexual energy. And this draining of life force energy, this energy of chaos, really pulled my resources away, my energetic resources away, my life force away from creation from creating deeper friendships, from creating deeper purpose, from creating deeper financial security, from creating all these other things that I want to create in my life. So this was definitely a hardship for me, was this addiction to chaotic energy and this realization that I had uh, and still have an existential kink for chaos. Um, And actually reading that book, Existential Kink, is really what brought my attention to this addiction 
um, you know, initially I was blaming my relationships outside of me for this energy of chaos. But what I realized is I was creating this chaos. I am the creatress of this chaos. And I, I kind of like it, <laughs> right? It, it kind of gets me off. It kind of keeps me turned on. And so realizing this about myself has been so empowering because now I've owned it. You know, I'm like, yeah, I fucking love the chaos. I love stimulation. I love adventure. I love novelty. Um, but how can I give that to myself in ways that are nourishing and life giving as opposed to draining and chaotic? So I've really learned to work with this kink and to actually not bring it into my relationships. Right? I don't want chaos in my relationships. I want turn on, I want adventure, I want excitement. And now that I know how deep of a need that is, I can consciously create it. The addiction to chaos has come out of the shadow and my need to open relate has come out of the shadow and I'm now channeling that forward into adventure and novelty in my relationships, in all of my relationships, friendships, sisterhood, family, loverships in ways that aren't chaotic with adventure travel celebration newness learning new hobbies becoming new th people together right so yeah grateful for this hardship because it's led me to an even deeper level of creativity and excitement <sighs> hardship number three and this is a big one i think anybody that has had experience or you know is currently in an experience of open relating will agree to this is constant processing so one of my teachers said polyamory double the pleasure double the processing <laughs> and it's true it's true you know especially when we're relating you know in any way but especially open relating in a way where we're really um, valuing truth, transparency, and integrity, there's going to be a lot of communication. I mean, even just being in relationship with one partner is quite a lot of processing, right? Think about if you're in a relationship or you've been in a committed relationship, it's a lot of processing, right? There's your own processing, there's their processing, there's your processing as a couple, there's triggers, you know, there's miscommunications, there's mistakes, there's celebrations, right? It's a lot. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of play. And then when you start bringing other energy into the field, into the container with open relating, and now you have other lovers and other emotional connections and other interests, other desires, um, you're not just processing with your partner, or your primary partner, but you're also processing with all the other energies that you have in your field. And they're also processing with the other energies that they have in their field. And you're also processing with their other energies, right? So that, you know, that was part of the, this constant processing is, is actually what's allowed me to be gifted with such an expanded capacity to hold, to hear, to listen, right? It's allowed me to really move through these pieces, but it was a fuck ton of work to get there it was a lot of processing to get there and I wouldn't choose that again I wouldn't necessarily choose that again at least at this point in my journey I don't desire that level of processing I want more free space free time where I'm actually not thinking or talking about any relationship 
um, I'm just in the moment and making love or making art or uh, napping or working on my purpose or whatever it is, right? <laughs> Not processing. And this is something that's very common in the space of open relating is more time processing and it actually can sometimes kill the pleasure. So I've seen this a lot. I've, I've noticed the tendency for this to happen in my, in my previous relationships, although I really made it a priority for it to not. But it was this pattern of over-processing and now we're not actually engaging in deep sexuality because we're so drained and triggered from all this processing. Right? So, and then what happens in your nervous system is you can start to correlate pleasure you know, because you're having pleasure with other people and, and with your partner, you start to correlate that in your nervous system and imprint that with processing. And then you start to think it's not worth it. This pleasure that I'm experiencing, this expansion that I had with a lover, this expansion that I had at the temple, now I've got to spend the whole next three days processing it with my partner. Is it worth it? And I don't want that association of pleasure in my nervous system. I don't want my pleasure to involve lots of processing. I want my pleasure to be pleasurable and then to just lead to more pleasure and expansion. And so that was something that was really tricky for me. Um, and with my partner as well, it's like every time we expanded and moved into deeper pleasure and exploration and desire with other people, it would create a little bit of pain in, in the other person. Um, and we welcomed that because that's what initiated us. That's what expanded us. But I started to have this association like this belief was being imprinted into me that my pleasure causes pain. My pleasure exploration creates a need for hours and hours and days of processing. And I started to actually start to dim my desire and my desire for pleasure. Because I was like, I don't want to, it's not worth it, right, to me or my partner. So, yeah, so this constant processing, it's a big part of open relating, but it's also what makes it so powerful. So it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's like, think of open relating as like, you know, communication boot camp, like 101. I mean, I, I feel what, what's, what's been amazing about this constant processing is now when I enter into a more devoted partnership with one person, I feel like it's going to feel like so easy <laughs> to just be in communication with one person. It's going to feel so amazing. It's going to be like, it's going to feel like a breath of fresh air, right? Versus six years ago in my last deeply devoted monogamous relationship, you know, it felt like a lot to be processing with one person. Now, I'm like, bring it on. I've got so much space for you. I've got so much capacity and it's all for you. You know, that's the thing with open relating. Your, your whole field is open, right? So there's just more energy and more possibility coming into your life. And situations that are unusual that that wouldn't really come into your life in a traditional monogamous relationship such as meeting your uh, partner's ex-lovers or ex-girlfriends um, and establishing a deep connection with them establishing a relationship with them to keep openness to not keep any part of our life in the shadow or repressed I had never experienced that before open relating I had never formed deep connection with any of my partner's um, previous partners and in fact 
my previous partnerships, I didn't keep connection with before open relating. You know, it's like we had our relationship, we broke up, and then we went our separate ways, and then we, you know, didn't really stay in contact. So that is one piece of open relating that's been really powerful is keeping an open field and and this constant processing, what it did lead to is deep connection with those around me. Um, because that processing creates vulnerability, it creates uh, repair, you know, there's a lot of repair needed in open relating. Um, there's a lot of safety building and all of that. And so even though the hardship of constant processing was a lot, um, it was challenging, uh, it was also deeply rewarding. <sighs> so hardship number four was lack of commitment. And so, you know, the double-edged sword, right? Every single choice we make in life, we're making a choice against the opposite choice, right? So if we're choosing to deeply commit to something, we're then sacrificing um, a level of freedom with other explorations. And then on the flip side of that, if we're choosing to have more freedom and openness in our relationship, we're not saying yes to full commitment. And that's what I wanted these last few years. I didn't, I didn't want that deep commitment. I was in a, a chapter in my journey. I had just moved to Costa Rica, really reestablishing my purpose, my path after closing my business, starting all over again. And I didn't want commitment. I was still in a phase of exploration, of seed shopping, of figuring out who I am and what I want. And so open relating and, and lack of commitment actually was the container that served me. And so there was blessing in that, but it was also, you know, it also created some hardship because the lack of commitment in my partnership also led to a lack of commitment in every part of my life because I just wasn't embodying the frequency of powerfully saying yes. I wasn't embodying the frequency of powerfully choosing. And it was great. That's what I needed in the moment. But there are side effects to that. You know, when you're not powerfully choosing, and that could be, you know, you can powerfully choose in being single. You can say, like, I powerfully choose to be single. You can powerfully choose in relationship. I powerfully choose this. You can also powerfully choose in open relating. You can have a primary partner that you were deeply devoted to in choosing. This was not my experience. I had sort of a wishy-washy energy where I was like not powerfully choosing and wanting to utilize open relating to sort of keep my options open, to see what else was out there, to sort of, you know, just, yeah, keep my whole heart, mind, and body open. But because of this, it made it really hard for me to feel really deeply committed to my purpose. It made it hard for me to feel really deeply committed to myself and my devotional practices and my structure and my routines and rhythms and budgets and discipline and all of it. Like I wasn't exercising in what I consider a masculine trait within us of powerfully choosing, of, of staying devoted and committed to one thing and letting that one thing just bloom so powerfully and so deeply and I didn't experience that and sort of all parts of my life felt diluted felt 
you know, sort of malleable. And again, that was incredible in the time because I, I wanted that level of freedom. I wanted that ability to like get up and go if I wanted to um, and, and sort of taste all the flavors. Um, but it did challenge me and it did create some difficulty in my life because I wasn't powerfully choosing. I also wasn't being powerfully chosen. Right? So because I wasn't giving that electric yes to the universe, I wasn't receiving the, the benefits, the rewards of being in devotion to life, of powerfully choosing. And, and this is, you know, I really realize this now that whatever partnership I'm in moving forward and however long it lasts, I'm going to powerfully choose that person, even if it's just for a month, even if that relationship rides for a month, I'm going to fucking choose that person and be d deeply devoted to that person because I know what happens when you powerfully choose and when you contain your energy and you say fuck yes every part of your life vibrates with that frequency of fuck yes and every part of your life starts to blossom and flower and bring abundance and harvest so this lack of commitment this sort of wishy-washy energy that I was embodying was a disintegration of my masculine power of my masculine choosing and now I'm at a point in my journey where I'm really reclaiming that and I'm embodying more of my masculine energy. Um, so it's beautiful. I love where it's led me. Hardship number five, and there's 10, so half for them. Hardship number five was not going as deep as I wanted to in sexuality. So this is a little bit of a flip side of the coin to what I had shared in the previous podcast episode, um, which was having great sex and increased desire and turn on. So yes, there was an abundance of sex. There was lots of it, uh, lots of different types of sex, lot, lots of different types of energy, lots of different types of explorations of desires. But the hardship that stemmed from that in this chapter of my life was that I, the level of depth that my pussy, my womb, my heart, my soul desire and yearn for wasn't touched. Wasn't there's like there's a depth of me, there's there's a depth in my being and in my heart that has yet to be penetrated. And there's levels of openness in my pussy and in my heart that have yet to be felt. And I could feel this within the last six months of my journey and partnerships was that I could feel it's like there's this itch that wants to be scratched like there's this deep ache in my womb and in my heart that want to be fucked open to God that want to be penetrated open to God and I know that what's needed for that to happen and I truly believe this is a deeply feminine concept for any woman to experience this. What's needed is safety and trust. Safety and trust. And so there were levels of safety and trust that were missing for me being in an open relationship. So there were, there were pieces where there was a lot of trust and safety because we were talking about everything. There was nothing in the shadow. Everything was perfectly clear and on the table. But on a primal animal level, my body didn't feel fully safe to be cracked open the way I want to because I know that my partner 
is choosing others in addition to me. And so on a primal level, there are gates in my womb, there are gates in my heart that have not yet been opened because they, I know that they need a powerful grail knight of a man that is going to fuck me open, take his sword of truth into any and all inauthenticity and lack of integrity in my being and slice me open and bring those floodgates in. So not going as deep as I wanted in sex is one of the main reasons that I left my previous partnership, uh, my long-term partnership, because I could just feel this wasn't this, this deep primal need, this desire wasn't going to be met. And I know, knowing everything that I know about sexuality and love and eros, that in order for us to reach our greatest potential, especially as women, we need to be able to bloom and open and soften in this container of safety and trust. And I also know that this is possible. This is possible in open relating dynamics. I've seen it. I've witnessed it with people. But the thing is, is they are, they've been in an open relationship dynamic where they spent years developing the roots, the foundation of safety and trust before opening their relationship container. And the safety, trust, and nervous system of their container is the most important thing. And there's nothing that they would do to compromise that. So there's a deep knowing of safety and any external explorations that they have are to enhance the relationship and to enhance the sexuality as opposed to replace what's missing. So not going as deep as we could in sex. Hardship number five. Let's take a deep breath here. Ah. Hello, lovers. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to take a little break here and share with you how I can support you in your journey of coming fully alive through Tantric Awakening. My name is Holly Taraya, and I am a Tantric Intimacy Coach, and it is my divine dharma, my holy mission to serve you in your liberation to facilitate your freedom in sex love and relationships to fully embody your erotic energy to liberate your love and come fully alive i want to help you i want to support you and i want to celebrate you as you make this journey deeply into your truth join me for tantric awakening a mentorship program for women to guide you into the deeper layers of your desires, to empower you to be fully expressed, and to bring you home to your womb, to your heart, and to the essence of who you are as a woman and what you came here to create. Click the links below to set up a call with me and to go deeply into this space that is yours to claim. Okay, we're back with the 10 lessons and hardships that I've experienced in open relating. And we're on number six, which is a big one for me. It's maybe the biggest, which is not feeling enough. (sighs) Not feeling enough. This wound of not enoughness. Not feeling like I was enough. Not feeling like my partner was enough. Not feeling like our sex was enough. Not feeling like anything in my life was enough 
And what I realize is, and this didn't come through to me until recently, um, in a huge death portal and dissolution portal that I've been in for the last few months, as I've taken a break from relating and really closing my temple doors and going inwards, was my wound of not enoughness has risen out deep out of my subconscious out of my nervous system and into the light of day. And it's been excruciating to feel, excruciating. It's like probably, probably the most painful thing that I've felt. But the beauty is, and I, I understand how trauma integration works and how the nervous system works, right? It's like you take something out of the shadow, you bring it to the light and it's like gnarly and it's painful and you're finally giving yourself the space to feel it. But what I know is the moment you feel it and breathe into it and not numb yourself and not distract yourself and finally let yourself feel it, that's when you change. That's when you shift. That's when you start operating out of a new paradigm. And I'm going to create a whole entire podcast around this alone because I could speak for hours about it but this feeling of not feeling enough actually when I look back in retrospect is how I have been operating it is the wound that has been vibrating and creating all of my relationship dynamics it's what created the the experiences of betrayal and affairs and cheating it's what created my lack of commitment and ending every relationship I've ever been in and never being broken up with. It's what's like created so much of my story. And what I realize is this feeling of not being enough is my deepest, most long-standing wound. And I've believed it to be true on such a deep level. And what I had done in relationship, especially in open relating, is instead of me feeling that wound, of not enough because it was too painful and too overpowering and crippling to feel, I projected it onto my partners. Of like, you're not enough, right? So that's, that's how projection works is we take a wound that is so uncomfortable and we throw it, we can't hold it for ourselves. It's a lack of self-responsibility, it's a lack of self-responsibility, lack of capacity to be with the energy. And so we project that energy onto others and we hope that by projecting this energy onto others and manipulating them and controlling our outside environment that we will somehow heal the wound. We're trying to heal the wound through our external reality like a puppet show. And, th and that never works. And we're, we all do this. This is, we all project. Um, but I, you know, and again, this, this, this could, this will be a whole nother episode, but this core wound of not enough was so deeply in, in, embedded into me. And when I left my last two partnerships and, and, and created this space for myself for total solitude, this wound of not enough finally rose to the surface because for the first time in my life, I consciously chose to not project it onto someone, to not blame someone, to not run away and feign empowerment and I'm better than this. For the first time in my life, I actually sat with this pain that had been triggered in my last relationship and I allowed the wound to surface and I sat with it and I cried for like a month 
not non-stop, but you know, in waves, this suppressed energy. And, and it surprised the fuck out of me because I'm like, I am like a queen of the underworld and the shadow world. Like I have no problem going into my shadow. I welcome it. I love doing emotional alchemy. I love expressing my rage, my grief. You know, I really, really love feeling the things, but this specific wound and the pain attached to it of not feeling enough was so intense that it was one that I had yet to feel. And I had glimpses of it, but it was like anytime anything came remotely close to touching this wound in my relationship, I looked elsewhere. I avoided it. And this is why open relating actually like really served me not feeling this wound. Because if I didn't feel like enough in my partnership, I would just go find someone that made me feel enough. Or if I didn't think my partner was enough, I would go find a, a person that felt like enough, right? That checked that box. And ultimately, <laughs> it kept perpetuating this wound of not enoughness. And, uh, and I'm so curious now that I'm integrating this wound on such a deep level. I can't wait to share about this. It's been fucking powerful, the way that this wound integration has changed my life. I'm so curious how my relationships are going to operate now because I have such a deeply newly embodied belief of worthiness, of enoughness, of I am at my core enough and worthy without having to do anything or prove anything. And so are you. I'm so curious how this new belief system is going to impact my relationships moving forward. But that's the hardship. Hardship number six was not feeling enough. You know, never, like, always feeling like mm, there was nothing I could do to be enough for my partner. And that there was nothing that they could do to be enough for me. And I've integrated that. I should say I am integrating that because it's a big one. I'm still digesting it. But um, it's a big piece that I wanted to share with you. Hardship number seven for me is the is staying in an untrue relationship staying in an untrue relationship so it this this has been my experience and again i i just want to pause here and say that i know many people and many couples that open relate and i have seen open relating done so beautifully and so powerfully and in fact I desire to embody even deeper levels of open relating in the future with my devoted partnership. However, the last few years for me, the hardship, the, the hard truth to really be with was that open relating actually enabled me to stay in a relationship that wasn't true. It wasn't true for me, it wasn't true for them. And by opening the door you know when I say true just to clarify that I mean not in the deepest alignment with my soul's growth with their soul's growth like just not in full harmony not in full integrity um and I what's not true for one is not true for the other you know I, I know this with such conviction that when something isn't in full isn't a full fuck yes in your life it's not a full fuck yes for for anything you know it's like yes is like a especially with the relational space and, and with alignment with others, like the yes has to be felt on both sides. And open relating, it can be a 
sneaky way to avoid feeling that a relationship is not true or not in full alignment because you're allowing your needs to be met elsewhere, your emotional needs, your um, your travel needs, your adventure needs, your sexual needs, like you're allowing yourself and your partner's allowing themselves to have their needs met elsewhere, which feels incredible. And I want to bring, you know, need fulfillment um, through through the village um, in any relationship dynamic, because I think it, it truly does take a village. But it's easy to stay in an untrue relationship when it's open. To, like, be with someone who, like, feels good and is, like, sort of, you know, meeting these needs, but and then having another person in your life that brings you to life, and then they do the same, and it's, 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 a, it's an easy way to avoid the truth of untruth. And this is what I found for myself, was by keeping my options open, I was actually not willing to look at the fact that my relationship was no longer true for me or my partner. And it wasn't until the very end of our relationship container where we actually closed our relationship doors to create more safety and stability. It was actually by closing our doors <clears throat> that I was able to see the lack of truth and the lack of integrity and the lack of uh, activation in this partnership, um, which was confusing for me because I felt like, am I, is this what happens when I'm in a committed relationship? Is it, I want to leave it? <laughs> but I know that that's not true. It's being in a committed relationship that's not in alignment um, and closing the doors on that and committing to that that's what makes me want to leave it. So this is a big realization for me is how easy it is to stay in untrue partnerships and loverships when you're in an open relationship. It's very easy. Um, and that's not something that I want to experience anymore moving forward. And it's this hardship that really allowed me to see that. So hardship number eight was not having defined boundaries. And so this is a mistake that I made time and time again in my relationship, relationships, is not having very clearly defined boundaries. Because for many reasons, the first being, I didn't really know what I wanted a lot of the times in my relationships. I wasn't very clear and tuned into the relationship dynamic that I wanted, where I wanted our boundaries to be, what my desires were, right? And it was through the not knowing that I really honed in and refined my ability to know and my ability to connect deeply with my desires and my ability to speak my truth and my ability to set very clear firm boundaries. But I only got to that point by not having <laughs> defined boundaries and by making a lot of mistakes and... Um, you know, mess, m fumbling around quite a bit in the dark. Um, and so that's something that I've really embodied now is like, I, I really have a deeper sense of where my boundaries are in my body. And the trainings that I've done with ISTA, the International School of Temple Hearts, Arts, have really allowed me to hone this skill and refine this skill. But so has being in open relationships. Is getting crystal clear on what's a yes for me and what's a no and knowing that that also changes, right? And giving myself the permission to change that. Um, 
and honoring and respecting the boundary of my partner and their partners and other people in my field, right? So not having clearly defined boundaries in this last couple years, you know, it created, again, that chaotic energy. It created a lot of confusion. It created a, a lot of uncertainty. But now I've really understood the importance of having clearly defined boundaries. And another reason that I didn't have clearly defined boundaries, and I saw this in my partners as well, was this part around like people pleasing, this uh, pattern of people pleasing, fawning, which is ultimately a trauma response. So remember I said in the beginning of this episode here that for the last two years, my nervous system has been in a low key state of fight or flight. And the hardship that I shared right before this one of having this deeply embedded belief of not enough, both of those two pieces put together created a trauma response in me of people pleasing and this is so common for so many people especially women like there's not a single woman that i've worked with or am friends with that hasn't had the opportunity to dissolve people pleasing and and i i think it's like a lifelong journey um but this showed up for me a lot in open relating because the aspirational part of me the part of me that can see my higher self my highest potential of liberated in my love, free of sexual trauma, untriggered, you know, totally liberated. It's almost like I wanted to be that so much in my relationship, more so than honoring who I was and where I was at this current moment in my journey, which at times was fearful or jealous or insecure or uncertain or disempowered, right? And I held this version of myself that I am becoming, that is my deepest truth of fully free and fr- fully liberated. I, 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 I moved as her. And I think this served me in a lot of ways because it allowed me to make bold moves and bold choices and expand my capacity and actually brought me closer to being her and embodying her and opened my heart and liberated my sexuality. But there were times that it didn't serve me because I wasn't honoring the boundary in the moment. It's almost like I was setting a boundary, an aspirational boundary, a boundary of what I, where would my boundary be if I was like three more layers liberated and open? (laughs) Let's set my boundary there. As opposed to where's my boundary now in this present moment in my nervous system with the level of trauma that I have not yet integrated and the level of fear that's moving through my body and what's true for me in this moment. Where's my boundary now? And that was the mistake I made is I I made a lot of boundaries that were based off of future timelines and not honoring the present nervous system, the tenderness of my heart, the vulnerability of my sensitivity not honoring the capacity that my nervous system was able to hold not honoring how resourced i was or was not in that moment to hold something because i was creating boundaries off of a future version of myself and the beautiful thing is is i know that eventually those boundaries will be true for me right it's sort of like think of it like in terms of like money right it's sort of like we have our income levels and our goals of our future self which is already in us right she's already here but we don't spend 
in this current moment based on what our future income will be. <laughs> we spend off of our current income. And that is what creates boundaries for our money and our budget, right? So it's sort of like I was doing that with my sexuality and my heart is I was I was setting boundaries and truth based off of a future version of myself that I have yet to be. And then I sort of shamed myself when those boundaries that I had set didn't feel good and created nervous system collapse. I was like, fuck, Holly, why does this feel so bad? I want to be this really liberated version of me and I'm not. And I would like shame myself for that. Um, but it's been such a beautiful part of my journey because I realize um, so much about how we all do that in our personal development and it's created such a beautiful tool for me to hold women as I guide them into expanding authentically at the pace of love because I moved at the pace of <laughs> aspiration. Um, I now see the importance of moving at the pace of love, honoring your boundaries in the here and now, right? While keeping your aspirational truth in mind, but honoring the here and now of your human body, of your animal body, of your beating heart. And so by not having clearly defined boundaries and making those mistakes, it's enabled me and allowed me to have such an appreciation for boundaries and honoring of the truth in the moment, not just for myself, but for everybody in my life. I, I deeply, deeply revere and honor and respect people that honor their truth and their boundaries like never before. And this is because of open relating and it's because of ISTA that I've really uh, been able to embody this. And it's one of the most powerful things that I love to teach the people that I work with is how to live this way, how to live in a way that honors your boundaries. And to not people, please. <laughs> ah, hardship number nine that came for me from open relating was financial instability. Financial instability. Now, granted, also, this was during a time in my life, like I had mentioned earlier, that I, it was post-pandemic, I had just moved to a foreign country, lost my business, sold everything I owned, right? So there were other contributing factors to financial instability. But I know, in retrospect, because I know myself and I know the nature of sexual energy and its correlation to money, they both run through the same second, second chakra in our body, um, I know that financial security um, and stability would have been attained sooner for me in my journey after moving to Costa Rica had I have not been in open relationship dynamics. Had I have either been powerfully choosing to be single or powerfully choosing to be in devoted partnership, I know I would have re reached financial stability sooner. But because open relating... Um, had brought all this chaos and processing and trauma resolution and, you know, working on boundaries and truth and sexual liberation and jealousy and triggers and all this, <laughs> so much energy, <laughs> which again, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been so fucking powerful. Um, however, it took my focus away from my safety and stability around my purpose and around my financial security, my fortress, my 
empire, my castle, my temple, right? And I devoted to this deeply last year. Um, I realized what was the, the lack of stability that I was experiencing in my life. And I devoted deeply to uh, money mastermind, um, really deep focus on financial security and financial freedom. Um, but being in open relationship dynamics made it very difficult for me because of the level of energy that it required to maintain multiple people in my field and also running my erotic energy with multiple people was draining my resources of energy, which translated to drain, draining my resources of financial resources as well. In the tantric tradition and the yogic tradition, our erotic sexual energy is tied to our money. It's like how we exchange, it's how we give and receive. It all runs through the second chakra of creativity. And so when there's lack of financial security in your life, one of the best places to look is how can I create more containment in my sexual energy? When you start to contain your sexual energy more, and again, you can do this in any relationship dynamic with the tantric arts, but when you start to contain your sexual energy more, you actually create more containment and stability in your finances, right? And so this is one of the beautiful things that I've really learned this past couple of years is how to utilize tantric practices like jade egg, like breathing, circulating through the microcosmic orbit, working with my self-pleasure practices, expanding my orgasmic capacity. Utilizing the tantric practices has actually allowed me to create more financial stability even when I was open relating, right? But it was during open relating that I could really see this lack of safety in my root, this feeling of not enoughness, all these wounds that were being run through open relating were also creating a lack of security and abundance that I really wanted. And again, it's all about containment, right? I'm at a part in my journey where I'm really embodying that divine masculine energy inside of me of powerfully choosing, of discipline, of containment within so that my eros, my creativity, my radiance can move, but in a contained way that gains interest, that gains abundance, that harvests, right? That actually comes to fruition. With open relating, one of the metaphors that I used was open relating for me and my experience was sort of like cutting flowers and putting them in a vase and putting them around my house. They were beautiful, and I had a lot of different flowers in my house, and they were fresh and alive, but only for a few weeks, so to speak, in, in the flower world. Um, and then I'd have to go cut more flowers, right? Versus having a contained garden that's being cultivated and fostered and nurtured creates abundance, right? It's rooted in the earth. It creates fruits and harvest and flowers, right? But you also got to be there during the dissolution, during the winter, right? You got to be committed to be there through all seasons. And I really feel, I'm at a point in my journey where I actually feel that there's a deep correlation between devoted partnership, whether that's devoted partnership to yourself and you're powerfully choosing to not be in partnership, 
and you're powerfully choosing to be in divine union with source and or powerfully choosing a partner and creating a divine union, there is a correlation between that choice and financial freedom. And this isn't what I've just experienced in my own journey. I've witnessed this in others as well. There can be a lack of financial security for a lot of people that are in open relating dynamics because their energy is leaking. They're not anchored, right? Um, and again, I, it can be both, right? I think if you, if you create the garden, if you have the devoted partnership and you spend those years tending to the garden from seed to sprout to then full blooming tree and it's harvesting, you know, ha allowing someone to come into your garden and like, you know, snack on an apple or bringing other energy in doesn't compromise the foundational safety of the garden, right? You still have a deeply rooted system. Um, and I think it goes, it's the same for financial stability as well, that the, the correlation between devotion and abundance are deep. And I'm excited to learn even more about this as my journey continues and share this with you as well. So the final hardship here that I'll be sharing today and these 10 hardships of open relating is, and this relates to the previous one, is not embodying the art of true devotion. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, these past few years for me, I mean, really my whole, my whole relating life up until this point has been a wild adventure of exploration and liberation and so much discovery. Um, but through this f journey of open relating, I, I have yet to experience the art of true devotion and partnership. Now, I've been in many monogamous devoted relationships before, but this was before I was really deeply embodied and my heart was really open and I was really on this path of intimacy and devotion and love. And so I am so excited to see and to feel now with this level of openness, this de-armoring in my nervous system, this level of trust that I have, this fuck yes that I have for partnership, this eros, this sexual liberation that I have pulsing through my body, like, whoa, I am so excited to see what happens when I bring that to a devoted partnership and experience the art of true devotion. I wasn't able to feel this in open relating. And I know it's possible. Again, I, I've seen people and I know of people that have this level of true devotion in open dynamics where there are there, there is a level of openness and breathing room in their relationship. But again, after spending years of creating safety and trust. But I didn't feel this art of true devotion of what it feels like to have my eyes fully on my partner only and to have their eyes fully on me and to stay through all of it, through the thick, the thin, the ups, the downs, the spring, the rain, the summer, the fall, all of it, the grief, the loss, the victory, the celebration, true devotion, where when I get triggered that I relentlessly choose to stay open, where I, I choose not to go anywhere. <laughs> 
right? So that's been one of the downfalls of open relating is it's sort of been just like one foot in, one foot out, like not powerfully choosing. When when I feel disrespected or dishonored, I'm like, bye, see ya. I'm not being honored in the way that I want to, right? Or if my partner's choosing someone else, I'm sort of like not going to fully commit to you, right? My foot is one way out the door. So there's no motivation to stand with resilience and with relentless love in those moments of hardship. And I'm so fucking ready to do that, to have my feet so anchored deeply into the earth with a wide open grounded nervous system that when I get triggered, I am willing and ready to move through the fire for this partnership, right? Instead of leaving through one of the open doors. Also to bring the level of truth to my partner to call them into higher integrity and to have them call me into higher integrity knowing that this is in service not just to our relationship but to our dharma as individuals and as a couple right so this deep devotion i'm so ready for this i'm so ready for this and this is what my next episode is going to be about part three is is where i'm choosing to go from here as i integrate all of my life experience so far and really calling in what's next for me but this was a hardship for me over these last few years is not having the level and depth of devotion and powerfully fuck yes choosing that i want in relationship and i felt it with my last partner i felt this deep devotion come up in my body like i was like fuck yes i choose you and i could feel a choosing from him i felt for the first time in my life an electricity of yes move through my body that I've never felt. And so I know it's possible and I know it's what I want. Turns out it wasn't meant to be with him. I think this relationship just really came into my life to show me my fuck yes for devoted partnership and that actually I don't want it to be wide open like it's been. I want it to be devoted. I want it to be safe and wildly free. So that's what's next. Stay tuned next week for the final episode of this three-part series of where do I go from here? And I want to thank you for listening to these reflections today. You know, there's a vulnerability always with showing up and hitting record and sharing the deepest part of my life journey, especially my sexuality, my vulnerability, and my love because it's the most personal part of my life. But I want to share these things with you and I'm devoted to sharing all of myself with you because I know that I am on a path of radical love and wild liberation of sexuality, not just for myself, but for you so that you can learn with me and through me in my mistakes and my challenges and also in my victories and my celebrations. So I want to thank you for being on this journey with me, for listening to this podcast, for enjoying my work, for sharing my work, because it brings me great joy to know whenever I'm in a dark night or a dark moment that I'm like, I'm in the bottom of the ocean foraging, scuba diving for this gem to bring it back to the surface of the ocean, to bring it back to shore, not just for myself, but for you. And it gives me the motivation to keep going when the going gets tough. It gives me the motivation because I'm like, this isn't just for me. This isn't just about me. 
This is medicine for all. So thank you for joining me today on this podcast. And I'll see you next week for the final part of this series of where do I go from here? You're here with a mission to inspire and impact many through your purpose. I'm here to support your mission by sharing the tools, practices, and teachings of Tantra, empowering you to become empowered by pleasure as you light up the world with your love and service. Serve from overflow. This is the new paradigm way of the embodied feminine leader, and I am honored to teach you how. I'm here to help you gently release any and all things within your being that are out of alignment and no longer true, so you can create space for all your desires to enter your life. No more sacrificing yourself for service. No more putting pleasure, rest, and celebration at the bottom of the pile. It's time to let your feminine essence and primal sensual power become your new fuel source. It's time to come fully alive. Your tantric awakening awaits. Join me for Tantric Awakening, a three or six month mentorship for women to return to the throne of your body and become fully alive. Click the link below and visit hollytariah.com slash mentorship to begin your Tantric Awakening journey today. Thank you for joining me today on the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. To dive deeper on your Tantra journey, visit my website at hollytariah.com for my online courses, books, private mentorships, and group coaching programs. Please subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with your friends. May you live in truth, beauty, and freedom. Love, Holly Tariah.